My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. What are you passionate about? I've been thinking even more than usual about passion lately, which says a lot. If you listen to this show regularly or read my blog, you know that I believe that our entire lives should be a major turn on, right? Not like every single moment will be enticing, but we want to have arousing excitement in our lives, which lends itself to having wonderful, fabulous, sensual sex lives as well. And there's no right or wrong when it comes to a turn on in life or the bedroom, as long as we aren't, you know, hurting anybody. And so I'm really, really excited about today's show. Um, not only do I have a fantastic guest, but we are going to explore bizarre turn ons. That's right. And by bizarre, I just mean. Maybe it's bizarre to most people, or maybe you just don't realize that other people have it, you know? Uh, women tend to not talk about them quite as much as, as I think we should. So uh, welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin. I'm so happy that you're joining us. I'm extremely excited to introduce you all to Mona Darling. Mona and I met at Blog Her this last year, which I chatted about a little bit. Um, she spent close to 20 years, get this, as an A-list professional dominatrix. How cool is that? Before becoming, she says, a D-list mommy <laughs> blogger. I beg to differ with that last part. I think she's a fabulous writer. Uh, and after spending many years traveling the world and being told that she's fabulous, she says she now spends her days being told she doesn't drive fast enough by her four-year-old son. I love her blend of, you know, keeping it real. It's like she's had all this you know, really uh, glamorous, uh, sexy, sexy, you know, work experience, life experience, and she's a mom, and she talks openly about all of it, which we can learn so much about. She writes, uh, she says sporadically about sex, women's empowerment, and child-related mayhem at her website. You should all check out darlingpropaganda.com. She's also a life coach specializing in women's wellness and empowerment who loves to help women build the lives they deserve. Thanks so much for joining me, Mona. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Wow. I, I sound so impressive after that. <laughs> well, you are so <laughs> impressive. You. Are you kidding me? I've, I've been so, so excited about this. I just, I feel like we could talk for hours, but, you know, um, don't worry, everybody. We, we'll, we'll try to keep it, uh, keep with our <laughs> usual framework, and uh, maybe she'll join us again at other times. So we can keep the conversation going. First, I would love to hear, Mona, I don't know anyone who has spent as much time uh as a dominatrix. I don't know anyone who's been a professional dominatrix for, for, for decades. Tell us how you started. How did you enter that world? Um, I was in college and uh, I, I had married really young. And so when I was in college, I actually had three kids that I was paying child support for. Long story. Um, and I kept finding jobs that paid minimum wage, uh, that had hours that didn't work with school, and then somebody's like, well, I know you're kinky, um, why don't you apply at this, like, fetish and fantasy house? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I love that. There's, like, a one-moment little hesitation, and it sounds like it excited you. 
Yeah, definitely. I remember my first day out there, um, like exploring the different, you know, fantasy rooms and stuff. And, you know, somebody's like, and these are all the favorite sex supplies, and this is all the cleaning supplies, and then here's all the dildos and restraints in here. And I was like, do you get to fuck people with strap ons? Oh. Like, <laughs> I'm getting paid money for this? Oh my yeah, gosh, this so needs uh, to be like a romantic comedy or something. I just watched that scene. It's like, it kind of like, you know, uh, Devil Wears Prada. Do you see that with um, Anne Hathaway? She's. I did not. You have it. Okay, it's a good movie. It's part of the five year old. Oh, yeah, I hear you there. Um, <laughs> it may be, well, it's it's a book as well. I haven't read the book, and that's probably even better. But anyway, Anne Hathaway's character, she's, she's trying to break into publishing, and she ends up working for this, you know, big high fashion magazine and it's this brand new world to her and I just can imagine you know although I, I'm sure that you had a lot more um, sexy savviness when you when you entered that because it's what led you into the to the career path but just kind of like exploring for the first time I love that it's like and here's the cleaning supplies and here's the dildos like the first day of any job getting the kind of just basic you know <laughs> it, what an interesting twist now for people who don't know could you just tell us what is a dominatrix um, professionally speaking what would you do a professional dominatrix um, offers uh, fetish exploration to people. Um, it's a type of sex work, but traditional sex is not on the menu generally. Um, I didn't offer hand jobs, blow jobs, sex. Uh, most of the time, I wasn't nude. Um, toward the end of my career, I was never nude. Uh, um, it's much more mental. Uh, I saw clients that wanted to be cross-dressed or humiliated or bound. Um, I saw clients that were into piercing and just a wide variety of fetishes. Interesting. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those situations where I was talking to my husband about being on this podcast and um, <laughs> he's like, unusual to who? And so we were actually talking about some things. It, it's, I forget what's unusual because people come to me all the time for 20 years. And, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can relate to a certain degree. I mean, it's a little bit different, uh, you know, writing and speaking about sex versus actually, you know, um, working in the sex industry in the capacity that, that you have been in. But it's interesting if, you know, if I'm in like a, a conference for just general writers or something and somebody says the word girl boner is part of my intro, it's like the whole room is like stunned and starts laughing and they're, you know, usually they're really happy about it, but which is good. But it's just so funny how it'll stand out because you're so used to being in a very sexually, uh, in, in a way, sexually open. I suppose not everybody you saw many of your clients perhaps weren't as um, that's why they came to you to, to kind of gain that confidence and stuff like that but that it is just you know has been just a normal part of your of your life um, so as and as a dominatrix you also are more of the um, dominant one right so would you get a lot of submissive um, men and women was it both was it primarily men um, I saw primarily men uh, all submissive a couple that were just mainly kink-oriented, like we're um, latex fetishes uh, or encasement fetishes, but not necessarily submissive. But a vast majority of my clients were uh, submissive men. I also saw couples occasionally um, and women occasionally, a couple of women couples. 
is awesome. Yeah. Um, so pretty diverse. Interesting. Actually. Interesting. So over the long run, mainly men. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this training and the introduction, you got the overview of the place. Did they actually, I mean, do they teach you or in your experience were you taught like, well, someone's going to come in and ask for this and here is what you do. Or was, was it kind of up to you to sort of, um, improvise based on whatever they shared with you? Um, well, you have to go back a little bit further because in a fetish and fantasy health, there are people who work that are tops and bottoms, people who are you know, okay with one thing, but triggered by something else. So there's a huge board and everybody can go through and say, they do this, they do this, they don't do this. They might do this. You have to ask. And so when a client calls and the person books them with you, they know that you are pretty much into those types of things. Um, as training, they do safer sex training, making sure you know how to clean things and, you know, to use condoms and remind you constantly not to touch things with your gloved hands, but I've just touched something else. Um, but they expect you to, at least my place, get your training not on the job. <laughs> I, in a way, you do because you are constantly having people come to you going, I want to play superheroes and you're going to, you know, be Wonder Woman and lasso me with your lasso of truth and force me to confess things and wow. you just you have to just okay today I'm Wonder Woman wow. um, were you I, nervous at all was it um, you know especially at the beginning I imagine just being any new job would be but if somebody going into that situation did you did you ever feel kind of um, oh my gosh what am I getting into or was it just very exciting from the beginning um, it, it <laughs> wavers between terrified and very excited yeah so you you know, in one way, I was like this poor child, a poor uh, college student, and people were giving me what I felt was vast sums of money to act out fantasies. So I'd be like, oh, my God, I want to get their fantasy right. You know, I don't want to offend. I don't want to step over boundaries or trigger anybody. Um, but I want it to be exciting. So you get really nervous trying to fulfill all of this. I think my career actually took a big step forward when I quit worrying about making a client happy. And started going. Okay, he wants to. He wants me to be Wonder Woman and tie him up with a rope. This is going to be fun. I'm not going to worry about. You know, how could I not have fun? I've got a client who wants an interesting role play. I've got a room full of toys. So I'm just going to go for it and ask them what they don't want to do, so that I can play within that realm. Um, so it, it it covers all the emotions. Uh, towards the end of it, I rarely was nervous. Um, unless it was a very big deal involving a lot of people and, you know, or maybe public play. Um, very rarely nervous at the end. But yeah, at the beginning, it was definitely a lot of jitters. I love what you said about uh, kind of learning through the process of your work that if you didn't over-focus on trying to please the other person, that you... And the client probably had a better experience, which is a great kind of lesson for anyone, I think, to, you know, I think it's really important to think about a partner's pleasure, of course. But if we are, if we are, you know, let insecurity get in the way or, you know, start criticizing ourselves, am I doing this right? And that kind of thing, I can, it can really work against us, I think. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, there are several studies that I've read recently talking about 
um, this large percentage of, of women are married women is this one particular study want kinkier sex and most of them are not willing to talk about it or request it or pursue it and that kind of thing for all kinds of reasons, um, which, you know, I think probably could cause all kinds of problems, resentment, but also keep you from feeling really, you know, empowered and things like that. And I actually, and I know you asked too, I was asking um, Girl Boner readers and um, uh, friends and people, basically anyone who is interested in sharing what their bizarre turn-ons have been or what other people have, have requested of them. Uh, I'll share a few of these and then maybe uh, you could share some that you've encountered. Um, these, Some of these mm-hmm. came from a Women's Health Magazine article uh, I got a handful through direct messages, and uh, some were were just told to me in person. Um, and I actually, I'll I'll start with because I you prompted this question in my mind. I thought, what a great question to ask. What's the most strange thing you've been asked to do? And I don't know how weird this is because you know I've never heard of anyone else asking this or doing this. But I had a partner who wanted me to put my tongue in his nose. I don't know. Have you ever encountered that, Mona? Is that like a, is that a frequent um, thing? Do you think? I think that's definitely a thing. That's not something I've encountered because of the um, body fluid hard limit that I would have. Oh, sure, that um, makes sense. Definitely, definitely biting. I used to have a, a long-term client that was into being bitten almost to the point of drawing blood. He would have to bring me um, all of his blood work. Oh, wow. <laughs> that must have been um, an interesting experience for you to, to to do that and to try to keep that safe boundary. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But the idea of, I mean, like having somebody's tongue in your ear, like it's just an intimate, there's a lot of, you know, it's an intimate sensation. There's a lot of nerves in there. Um and it's if you are an if you are somebody who really enjoys audio sounds, then you're going to really be turned on by the heavy breathing. And then, you know, yeah. so I could see the same thing happening with nose play. I'm wondering if there was also some kind of suffocation fetish. Going oh, on totally. That that's I had not even thought of that. That's a good point. And also, you brought up the, a, a great point that a lot of it has to do with something that's a little bit secret. So it's. You know, if there's a place that you, no one else ever touches, that's exi- yeah. that's exciting. You know, so yeah, um, somebody told me that uh, this is from Katie likes long eyelashes. She said she obsesses over them. Um, Annie said she's turned on by dudes watering plants, um, but then she went on to say that it has to do with taking care of something and, and caring about the, the planet, which, which I could see that. That's cool. It fits her value system. Guys' backs, somebody said. Um, I don't know how true this is or, you know, maybe, maybe you know, this actually could be a common one, and I don't want to judge it because I think that whatever turns us on, like I said, as long as it's not a harmful thing, is, is beautiful and we should embrace it. But there was a, there's a woman who told me that she had a partner who liked to, she, she, she wrote, eat her shit. Um, which is interesting. I don't know if that means out of, you know, her, which is one thing. Like if there's a little <laughs> bit left or something, that's one thing. It's a little different to like, like with the way it's said, it's like you picture it on a plate with a fork and that's weird. But again, <laughs> that's what, you know, that's what um, she enjoys. 
Brown showers are something that I've never indulged in. Um, I know a lot of people are into it. It's a extreme form of humiliation. It can come in a lot of different uh, ways. Uh, and a dungeon that we I work out of, uh, they have this really beautiful throne that you can pull up the front of it and lock somebody's head underneath. Uh, we use it for golden showers, but it could also be used for brown showers. Ah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that have fetishes for being humiliated and being used as, you know, their tongue used as toilet paper. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting yeah. that humiliation can be a, a turn-on. It's like, I think, well, in some cases, and I, I've read about this, too, from a psychological standpoint, that men and women who feel like they have to control a lot in their lives like to be, um, you know, kind of told what to do and not have to make any decisions. Uh, where do you think the humiliation thing comes from? Or is it just, you know, is it just basically different things work for different people? I think different things work for different people. I mean, I think that everything that creates us is not the outside force, but the inside force and how we react to it. So I think that some people, yes, when they're in a position of power all the time, need an escape and they take it sexually. Um, and the same thing for humiliation. If somebody is always, you know, in a position of power and being told that they're fabulous, then humiliation may be a way that they take escape from that. Sure. Uh, but I don't think those are set. I don't think that those are fast and true ways that these fetishes evolve and develop. I think that uh, I've had clients that were, <laughs> I had a taxi driver who could, could barely afford to see me. I've had plenty of people who could barely afford to see me that would come and experience, like, want to experience all of those things. That's so fascinating. So. Did it, it sounds like a lot of it had to do with role playing, um, which obviously was part of your actual um, job description. Did you find that um, men or women were into particular um, body parts or wanted a particular body type or appearance or was it more about kind of how they were interacting with you? I think everybody prioritizes appearance. Um, you know, somebody might come to see me because of the way I look, but we may not hit it off because we don't enjoy doing the same thing. So I really like the people who come to see me because of the things that I had advertised that I do. Um, and I, I think everybody's got their own. It, I feel like this is going to come down to me saying, well, everybody has their own thing. <laughs> you know, it's true, though. It's true. That, that's, it's, I think it really is. And also, it also can change so much over time. I think um, just because something uh, turns us on now or doesn't turn us on now, things could really change. We had uh, Dr. Ravini was here um, last week talking about kink and BDSM, and she's a sexologist, and she said that they have this um, saying that is not at this time, which they never say, are you into this? Or you wouldn't say, no, never, I, I would never do that, because they all try to stay really open, which I think is a cool thing. And, you know, our sexuality is such a journey. And um, have you been surprised by any of, of your own turn-ons or anything that you participated in that you were like, whoa, that's, that's a lot cooler than I thought it would be? Um, I think almost oh, definitely. Um, one of the things, and maybe it's me as a top, that I have 
really got turned on with so many of my clients who've been into something that I'm just totally not into their fetish, really. But, like, you know, the role play and there's just the heat around their their passion for whatever it is that we're doing. You know, just watching them get so turned on and so wound up and just so happy to be in that situation, that definitely has turned me on. And I've, I've found myself squishing maraschino cherries under my toes going, oh, my God, that's so hot. <laughs> you know, not necessarily something that I would have. Um, in my personal life, because I've been a sex worker for so long, um, body fluid, it, it just really got to be, like, it just, it gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Because you just don't, you know, body fluid, when you're working with it all the time, body fluid could kill you. <laughs> it could make you really sick. It could just ruin your whole day. So it was just, it was just, you know, so like cum shots and, and porn was just like, yeah. Um, but once I started playing with my husband and we became fluid bonded, I found that I was really turned on by those things. So I love that you just said fluid bonded. Hi, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our husbands should totally hang out and be like, we should talk about what it's like to be with these women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which they're very lucky. We know. I'm kidding. We're we're lucky too. We're very lucky. I think it it takes uh, an, an awesome and strong man to be with somebody who is very open sexually and and has the kinds of experiences that that you've had, which is awesome. Were you working as a dominatrix when you met your husband? I was. Awesome. And it sounds like he's been supportive. What was that? It sounds like he's been uh, supportive of you know that that's part of who you are and everything. Yeah, we. Um, I was very upfront that I wasn't uh, interested in a relationship and that we would just date, you know, for a month or so. It's been uh, almost 16 years. Wow, no kidding. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, Congratulations. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. And how many kids do you have? I, he and I have one child, and I have three kids from when I was uh, much, Early much days. younger. Okay. Interesting. Wow. And uh, does the rest of your family, your other friends, have you been, I mean, were you pretty public about the work that you've been doing or is that something that you've kept kind of more private? I've always been very public about what I do. Yeah. I didn't, you know, talk to my kids about it when, you know, uh, I didn't, you know, I wasn't like bragging about it when they were like 12. Um but I've always been very open about what I do. I've tried to be very open with them sexually about uh, safer sex. Um, and I think I'm also one of those people where even when I think I'm being discreet, you know, I like I came home the other night and I was like, oh, you know, it's like got everything picked up for the babysitter and then she put him to bed in our bed because we took her sleep. Um, and, you know, at the top of my bed, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of BDSM porn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, I mean, if, if you just read the titles of the book, it's, you know, Macho Sluts is up there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I I think that I'm blending and being normal and I, I, I just, I'm not good at it. So I just, 
I don't bother. Well, we love you for that. I think it's what makes you awesome. And it's, you know, and, and it's great because I think it inspires other people to be more open at front. Not that everyone needs to be as open as, as you are publicly, but I think it's inspiring for any, you know, woman or anyone to see somebody who is strong in their sexuality and, and very open about things. I just think it's, it's very, very cool. Um, tell us a little bit more about, I, I know you do coaching now. Um, is that it's interesting because the way that you were talking about your dominatrix career, it sounds like you were kind of coaching, mentoring in a way, um, you know, in, in a very different way. But do you feel like this is another form of um, kind of helping people? Uh, I guess you weren't necessarily working with their goals then, but um, do you see that there are parallels between that work and kind of what you're doing now? Definitely. Um, and a lot of my clients did have goals. They had goals of uh, uh, being able to go to play parties and feeling like they were experienced enough to play with people, like they knew what they were doing, um, or just getting the, the, you know, boosting up their self-esteem that they could go do it. Um, so there were, there were definitely goals, and it was a lot of me asking questions and trying to get at parts of them that they didn't know you know, that they didn't understand and to flush those things out. Um, and that's pretty much the same thing that I do now. <laughs> there, it's very similar. Um, it was working with men in the sexual realm before, and now it's working with women in a non-sexual, you know, sometimes about their sexuality uh, realm. So it's, it's very similar. That is awesome. And kind of what are you working towards now? I know you said that you have um, a directory coming up. You coach a whole variety of women on different topics. What What are you most focused on or, or hoping to accomplish? Um, I am really, really, really super excited about my directory. Um, when I started looking for places to advertise my coaching business, um, because when I became a dominatrix, you were just, you know, there's a website and a couple of magazines and you put your ad in there and you're good to go. You're on business. You've got your website up. You're just go. Um, so, but as a coach, there was like no one place. There was no, you know, I have a Facebook page and I have a Twitter account, but so does every other coach and every, there's just so much no, social media noise. So I am putting together a directory of online coaches, women who help other women and trying to create a sisterhood around women's empowerment, um, trying to create a portal where women can go and look for classes and support um, and encouragement, everything from parenting, self-esteem, body image issues, uh, sexuality. So I have been working on that for the last uh, couple of months. Um, it's just went live at the end of last week, so there's only a couple of listings, but I have high, high hopes for it. Exciting. That's so exciting. I, I love the sound of it. I hope everyone checks it out. What's the best way to um, kind of see the directory and also um, just interact with you and stay and learn more about your work? Um, my personal blog is at darlingpropaganda.com. All my links to social media are there. The directory is, is at uh, vivayourrevolution.com. Um, not much to see there yet, but Come on, check it out. And what if you're a, a coach yeah. or offer any kind of women's online services, go and register. That's awesome. Join us. Promote yourself. I want to make us all money by finding the right clients. Um, the other thing that I'm really excited about and I'm always excited about is promoting my book, which is called Glitter. It's uh, Real Stories of Sexual Desire from Real Women, and awesome. it is 
just over 40 stories from real women talking about what defines them sexually. Some of them are stories about their fetishes. Some of them are stories about how they relate to men because of the way they're raised. Some of them are happy. Some of them are sad. Some of them are very erotic. Fantastic. Um, and that book is going to be free on Kindle between October 1st and October 5th in, honor, in, in celebration of this podcast. Oh, how exciting. And do they, so they just need to go to Amazon or how do they, what's the way they can get that? Amazon. Amazon. And the name is very long. If you look for Mona Darling on Amazon, it'll come up. Mona Darling Glitter. Um, Or you can come to my website and you'll see a link for it. Excellent. That's so exciting. I'm going to grab a copy and I hope everybody else does. Um, And you're on Twitter too, right? At at Ms. Mona Darling. Ms. Mona yes. Perfect. Gosh, the time just flies. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you will. Anytime. Wonderful. Please come back again. Isn't she fabulous? I knew that she'd be a great guest, and I can't believe that our time is already flying by here. Um, I will share a few more responses to my questions that I've been asking about turn-ons um, before we wrap this up. Long fingers, uh, one woman said. Um, let's see here. Manicured fingers and toes. Interesting. Uh, I'm way more attracted to a guy in a T-shirt, and said, than a guy in a nice collared shirt. Not a baggy tee or something too tight, but a fitted tee on a guy looks so hot. Uh, um, Kelsey said, kissing, any kissing, women kissing, men kissing, men kissing women, women kissing men, doesn't matter. Um, she said she gets totally wet just seeing anybody kiss, even on TV. I, you know, I can relate to that. That's a, that's a really, really big one. And as you all know, I get really excited about um, getting hooked up to strange machinery um, and <laughs> having orgasms. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to uh, my orgasm MRI uh, episode. I also wrote about it on my blog, and it's going to be appearing on Huffington Post pretty soon, which I'm very excited about. Um, Rachel said she's really into guys with crooked or broken teeth. How interesting. Um, So I guess if she's on a date with somebody and she's staring at the teeth, that's a really good thing. Um, Teresa said she's really attracted to guys with detached earlobes. I'm not even quite sure what that means. How is your earlobe not attached? Anyway, um, let's see. Basically ears, she said. She also loves earrings, guys with earrings. Uh, Leah says when a guy is wearing a nice belt and a a worn-out leather belt with jeans is really hot. So she's into clothing. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Food. Oh, my gosh. I can relate to that one. Lisa said lots of different foods turn her on um, and watching people eat. I could see that for sure. I once almost had an orgasm from Brussels sprouts. That is also on my blog. Uh, Let's see here if we have any more. Oh, and hairy guys. Can't forget the hairy guys. Sharon said she loves those hairy guys, which is cool. You know, you know, have you noticed everyone's getting beards lately? All these guys are just suddenly getting beards. It's like they went to the store and bought them. Um, So, you know, I think right now there are so many different trends that could be turning us on or turning us off. But what's important is I think living a life that turns ourselves on and, you know, dressing in a way we feel good. Mona brought up such a great point about um, feeling really excited by someone else's excitement. And that is what intimacy is really all about, right? I would love to hear from you. What is your biggest turn on? What is your weirdest turn on? What's a turn on that you want to know if it's weird or common? Uh, 
what's the strangest thing someone has asked you to do and did you do it? You can contact me uh, through my website, augustmclaughlin.com. You can either drop me a note. You can find me on Twitter. August McLaughlin is my handle. Uh, and you can also join the whole community of Girl Boner people who are so awesome. We're just about to hit 7,000 likes. We may even be hitting it today. I'm so grateful to every single one of you out there who listens, who clicks the like on my stuff, who shares it, who keeps the sex positive conversation going and helps spread the word about all these wonderful guests like Mona Darling. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and review and hop over to my website, augustmclaughlin.com for show extras and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.